0: It's good to see you here this morning, especially those of you who are visiting from out of town, locally, globally. We're glad that you're here, and maybe you have been here before, maybe not. It's very simple what we do. We pretty much open the Bible, read what it says, and this morning we are going to talk about the resurrection, and I will warn you ahead of time, we uh, are one of those churches that believe that it actually happened, like for real, like Jesus died buried, three days, came back, and get this. Not only do we believe that it happened, but we believe that our lives should be transformed and altered completely. And that's where we're going this morning, and we're glad that you're here to join us in this life transformation through Jesus Christ. I want to start off by telling you a, a story about a famous atheist that many of you may know. He's, he's dead now, but his name is Christopher Hitchens. And one of his books uh, was called God is Not Great, How Religion Spoils Everything. God is not great, how religion spoils everything. He would often debate Christians on the issues of faith and religion. And once he was at a Washington dinner party and he saw uh, uh, someone there, a Christian, who he, he debated, and so he cornered him in, in the pantry area, and started to ask him questions. He wanted to talk to him about the Gospels and what was true and what was clearly false. And when he cornered this guy he had debated in this long, drawn-out conversation, the point he wanted to make over and over again, this is an atheist, here's the point he wanted to make over and over, and here is his question. I'll put it up for you. Suppose Jesus of Nazareth did rise from the dead, what would that prove anyway? Anyway, Yeah, what if it really happened? So what? What does that prove? That's a good question, right? Because the Christian makes the claim that everything hinges on the resurrection of Jesus. If Jesus did not literally rise from the dead, uh, we are done. I'm quitting my job. I'm done with the Bible. We can quit showing up here. We should shut this thing down because to let you know, we are not here for morality tales. We are not here for feel-good spirituality. We are not here because we have a need to be religious. We're here because we believe that Jesus actually died three days dead, rose again, and that's why we show up and follow him. But... What does that prove? (laughs) If you grew up in churches that believe the Bible, I I guarantee you you've sat through many of sermons that offer proofs for the resurrection. Come on now, you have. You've sat through that, right? And I've I've preached plenty of those sermons proving that the resurrection happened. A variety of proofs. But this morning we're gonna we're gonna scrap that and say, okay, what does that prove? So what? He rose again from the dead. So what? What does that prove? And a good place to start in figuring out some of these answers is in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 20. If you have a Bible, you can look at it. Look it up on your phone or wherever. Matthew 28. Look on someone next to you. We're going to start in Matthew 28. Then we're going to branch out from there and look at some other passages. And I, and I know sometimes when you give speeches and talks, you're supposed to let Your points unfold to keep you in suspense. Well, I'm just going to tell you them all right now so you can take a nap. So let me put these up for you. The resurrection of Jesus proves his claims are legit, which means they're true. Death has been defeated. Satan has been conquered. The cross worked. And Jesus is divine and must be worshipped. That's where we're headed. Are you ready? Look at verse 1 of chapter 28. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. How many of you grew up going to early, early, early Easter sunrise services? Yeah. Are you glad we don't do those? I'm sure you are. (laughs) But why, why do churches do those? Well, because early on the resurrection morning, we see that these women are coming Near dawn, they've arrived to see the tomb, which they expected to be heavily guarded with the soldiers and sealed, but they were in for a great surprise. Look at verse 2. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. Earthquake. At the death of Jesus, and now we have an earthquake at the resurrection of Jesus. And as the earth shakes, the angels, his appearance like lightning and clothes as white as snow, come and rolls back the stone. Perhaps you're wondering, they need an angel to roll back the stone because Jesus, though he has risen from the dead, he just can't get out. But we know that he he could walk through walls after the resurrection. So he doesn't need the stone rolled away to get out. He needs it rolled away so that the women can look in. Verse 4. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. They're scared of the angels. The cute representation of angels found in figurines or on greeting cards just don't do them justice. If you want to talk about something scary, talk about angels so these tough guards they're trembling with fear and they look like dead men i like that the dead man they're supposed to be guarding is alive and they are alive but now they look dead women are scared but the, the angel calms their fears look at verse five but the angel said to the women do not be afraid for i know that you see jesus who was crucified he is not here for he has risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. All right, here we go. For starters, the resurrection of Jesus proves that his claims are legit. That what he says is true. Notice again in verse 6. It says, he is not here, for he has risen, as he said. He repeatedly told them that he would rise three days later. Now, if someone who is alive, tells you, hey, guess what? I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried three days. And then I'm going to come back to life. I guarantee you, you're going to pay attention to that person's words, especially if they pull it off. In fact, you will listen to everything they say. Because that's a big deal. And Jesus died, came back three days later, never to die again. I'm telling you this. If Jesus has been ignored in your life for a long time, perhaps you've ignored his teachings. He died. He was buried three days, and he came back to life. You better pay attention, maybe, to what he's saying, because I believe that his words have some connection to you. Let me put it to you like this Many people in our congregation, particularly college students, are single. There's a lot of single girls in here, and there are a lot of single guys in here who are in college. And for the most part, the girls ignore the guys. No offense, guys, just they just ignore you. But let's just say I went up to one of the single college girls in here, and in pastoral confidence and a little bit of junior high excitement, I tell them, there is a guy in here who likes you. What are they gonna want to know? Who? Who is this guy? Who likes me? So you could be minding your own business, totally ignoring this guy for a long time, not even know who he is, but now you want to know who. Tell me about him. Tell me about his character. What's he like? You may have been ignoring Jesus, his teachings, not paying much attention, but get this. He died. He was buried for three days. Came back to life. And he now has a connection with you because his teachings have a lot to say about you and what he wants from you and what he did for you. And I would encourage you, if you've never paid attention to his teachings before, to say, you know, I should, I should read the Bible. Because if it's true that he died and came back, I've got to pay attention. And for those of you who are believers, and you'll be like, Amen, the resurrection, Hallelujah, praise God. And yet, are you really paying attention to his teachings? He has a lot to say to you about his love and his mercy and grace and repentance and truth. What does the resurrection prove? That all of his teachings were legit. And it's time for you and me Pay attention, because he has a connection to us. Well, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's look at the the first part of verse 7. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. Let's stop there. He's no longer dead, but he's alive. He has risen from the dead. Well, what does that prove? Well, it's obvious. The second thing I want you to know is the resurrection of Jesus proves that he conquered death. He conquered death. It's a big deal. Uh, Where I live, I live in Skokie, and two doors down from me is a sweeter, older couple who is retired. And their whole lives, they ran a funeral home where they oversaw hundreds of funerals. And he and I talked a little bit about that and how that was like. And I've been a pastor, and I've seen a a lot of funerals. And what's interesting, uh, and I've conducted a lot of funerals, our professions merge at the funeral. I see you know, the directors there and they see pastors there. But one thing we had in common of all the funerals that we've ever conducted, we've never had to call one off for a resurrection. <laughs> they've all happened. we followed through. It is a big deal that we are saying that Jesus conquered death. But what does that prove? Now here's how I really want you to listen. I don't want to miss I don't want to miss you here. <laughs> do you wonder why you die? Do you wonder why people die? Well, according to the Bible, we die because sin entered the world. Adam and Eve and on down through history, we all die because of sin. Sin results in a physical death, a breaking down of our bodies. And it also results in a, a spiritual separation from God. So when we say death, we mean physical death. And we also mean spiritual separation for God. From God, but Jesus, well, he he died also, but then he came back to life, and he never died again. how, How how did that work for him? Well, you see, Jesus lived a life different than yours. He never sinned. He lived a perfect, holy life, and he made it through death, and the Father raised him to never die again. And you may say, well, hooray for Jesus. That's good for him. But here goes the connection with you. Here, are you ready for this? If you're connected to Christ through faith, even though you die physically, you'll never die forever in a separation from God the Father. You see, one time Jesus was at a funeral. And he was at a funeral for his friend Lazarus, who was dead. And he was about to resuscitate Lazarus, resurrect him temporarily, but Lazarus still died after that, right? Bring him back to life. And he's having this interaction with one of his sisters, and he says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? For those of you who believe in Jesus, the one who's conquered and passed through death, do you believe that if you trust in him, even though you die, you will live forever with God? Do you believe that? Let's go and, let's go, and, let's go and do this. I'm going to do it some more later. But um, we talk about this being good news. If it's good news, then what's the bad news? Well, The bad news is this. If you die without Christ, apart from Christ, you will face, you ready for this? You may have never heard this before. You will face the holiness of God. And there will be nothing you can say to him. You cannot say, I've been a good person, let me into heaven. Nope. No good people go to heaven because there are no good people. You cannot say, well, I did a lot of good deeds. That should let me in. No. So if you die, apart from Christ, you stand before a holy God, This is the part that the Bible is clear on consistently. You will face his anger. You will face his justice. And you will face his wrath. And you will spend forever in a place of torment called hell. It is not make-believe. It is real. And you say, well, it's Easter. Don't talk about hell. Come on. I, I brought my friends and family here. They don't want to talk about hell. You will never understand the good news until you understand the bad news. And your number one problem in life, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to just tell you be sure, your number one problem in life is God. And if you do not know him through Christ, he is against you. And your only solution in life is God through sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die in your place so that you would not face his wrath and that when you die, you will not die forever. You will be with the Father through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's why we call it good news. Because death is real. Just this past week, I'm going to temper this a little bit, not to be too dramatic. There was a death in our household of a hamster. And this hamster was my 13-year-old hamster. She got her when she was 10. She lived, lived for three years. It was a great hamster, sweet, sweet little hamster. Uh, but it, it raised questions about death. And my 5-year-old is obsessed now with talking about death. He wants to know when I'm going to die, when he's going to die, and in what order each person in our family will die. And he wants to talk about what happens after we die. Now, I don't feel like I have to just make stuff up with him. It's a great opportunity to talk about Jesus, eternal life, passing through death, in Christ. But I do wonder for those of you who have yet to believe in Jesus, what kind of stuff do you just make up? When people ask about death, what do you say? Wow, we all just go off in some space or we all go to heaven. What stuff do you make up that, that you tell yourself? I'm a good person. I'll be okay. It's cool. We're trying to say that we have solutions here of one who passed through death the only one who's passed through death and raised and we look to him, with not make-believe stuff, but legit, we follow him. Now connect it with this conquering of death. maybe if you've never heard this before, but on the cross and through the resurrection, Jesus also conquered Satan. Satan is not make-believe. He's not made up. He's a fallen angel. And he is out to destroy your life and my life. But what we understand from the Bible is that Satan, along with his demons, have been conquered through the cross of Jesus. So I want to put up a couple passages just for you to read. You can meditate on them later. Let me put this up for you. Hebrews 2, 14 through 15. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery." Okay, let me put another passage up, Colossians, Colossians 3.15, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. A little history lesson. Satan has been deceiving humans throughout history to sin and stay under the penalty of sin, death, and separation from God. His goal is to keep you in unforgiven sin and keep you away from Jesus, to keep you away from relationship with the Father, and his goal is to have you in hell forever. And don't think you're going to go to hell and Satan is going to be tormenting you there. No, he will be tormented for eternity as well and he is the deceiver. But the good news that we believe is that through the death of Jesus, Satan's power that used to keep us locked into sin and separation from God has been broken. And what we are proclaiming is that Satan is a defeated foe who was crushed on the cross. Yes, he still roams this earth, but he has no power over the believer. His lies are baseless. If you're a believer here this morning in Jesus Christ, when Satan is throwing stuff at you, just remind him that he's a defeated foe with no power over you. It was three months ago right now, around this time, I was on this stage on a Sunday morning and I had some uh, fainting spells for two to three weeks in a row and I thought that this would end. Uh, that's why we have this chair uh, for protection in case I'm about to go down. and. I thought this would pass, but I've been dealing with health issues now for three months. And if any of you have ever had any chronic health issues, um, this can be pretty, pretty discouraging, depressing. In my 45 years, I've never had chronic health issues until now. But during this time, I've heard um, thoughts I don't want to say voices in my head thoughts that I'm worthless. That God's done with me. He's finished. Doesn't love me. God wants to embarrass me by having me pass out in front of you. And I gotta pull back from that. And I know, I know you do as well. And you, when, when you hear these accusations, you gotta stop and say, okay, okay, where's that from? Oh, I know. It's from the defeated foe. It is from the enemy. And I have to remind myself because of the cross and resurrection of Jesus that his accusations are now baseless. I do not serve him. And in Christ, neither do you. And if you come here this morning and you are in Christ and you are feeling condemned, you're feeling like that you have really messed up and destroyed your life and there's no hope, those are lies. Those are absolute lies. And in sickness and in struggles and in relationship problems, you can think that you have totally blown it and God has no love or desire for you. That is a lie. Satan has been defeated. Cross resurrection. Now, think about the death and resurrection. Jesus, let's just state one obvious thing here, number four, is that the cross worked. The cross worked. Okay, back to our text. Let's go back to our text, Matthew 28. Verse 7. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I've told you. Jesus says the same thing. We're going to skip to Verse 10. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. The women are commanded to go quickly and tell the disciples that Jesus has risen from the dead, and they were to meet up in Galilee. Now, it was there in Galilee that Peter was forgiven for his denying Jesus, and presumably all the disciples were forgiven for bailing on Christ. And do you know this? Those words from Jesus of forgiveness are only possible if he rose from the dead? And what we're saying that the resurrection of Jesus proves that the cross worked. Sins are truly forgiven and wrath is fully turned away. Because if Jesus did not, why can't we just say, you know what? Why did he have to rise? Couldn't he just die and we could say, yeah, that was a good atonement. You died in our place. You instead of us. Well, why do you have to rise? Because it seems like, and you can see this in several passages, that the resurrection of Jesus proves that God is saying the cross worked. Your atoning work, Jesus, in my place was sufficient to forgive my sins. I now declare you righteous in Christ those through faith. Because if Jesus did not rise, you are still in your sins. 1 Corinthians 15, 17. It says, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. And if you have a religion where you are reading your Bible and you're going to church that says that Jesus did not rise from the dead, I'm not quite sure what you're doing. Because you're still in your sins and your faith is futile. But... The Bible proclaims, and we proclaim, that there is a resurrection. And it proves that God the Father accepted the finished work of Christ on the cross, and the cross worked. And you know what it worked? It worked through faith in Him, complete forgiveness of your sins. And you also get the complete righteousness of Christ. Can I explain that for a second? You get the complete righteousness of Christ. So the life that you could not live and I could not live of keeping the commandments of God, Jesus kept the commandments of God perfectly. And now when the Father looks at those who believe in Jesus, he not only sees their sins forgiven, but he views them as completely righteous in Christ. Even though we're foolish and we do some silly things, he sees us as righteous in Christ. So there's no payment for sin left. Your sins are forgiven, and you're filled with the righteousness of Christ. I ride my uh, bike to work. Uh, at least I used to, haha, <laughs> for I feel like I'm going to fall over constantly. But for the most part, I ride my bike to work when I can. And one uh, day I was riding to work, I, I come from Skokie down Howard to McCormick. Uh, and then I turn on Oakton. Well, you know that Shell station there on uh, Oakton, Oakton and, and McCormick. Well, there were lines of cars snaking all the way down Oakton, all the way down McCormick. I'm like, whoa, I am sure glad that I ride my bike. So I was weaving through all these cars, and I get to the Shell station, and you know what they're doing? They're giving away free gas. And on the gas board, you know, where I always have the prices? Zero 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 zero. zero, 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 zero. So you could Fill up completely and pay nothing. That's awesome. And in Christ, we are saying that through faith in Him, you can be filled up completely and pay nothing. Because Christ paid for your sins, they are all forgiven, and you're filled up with the righteousness of Christ. Through faith in Him, the Father sees you as righteous. So we're moving around here. We're almost done here. We, we, we see that in Christ and his resurrection, got to pay attention to what he says. His claims are legit. We see that he conquered death. He made it through. We see also that he conquered Satan, and we also see that the cross worked. And the last one is a quick one. It's, it's an obvious one. It's that he's divine. You've got to worship him. Look at verse 8. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and uh, great joy and ran to tell his disciples. In verse 9, And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings, and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Jesus is finally on the scene. This is not a ghost. They touch his physical body. He greets uh, the women, and what do they do? Boom, they fall down and worship him. You see, the resurrection of Jesus proves that he is divine. He is the Son of God. He has always been the divine Son of God, but at his resurrection, he put it on clear display for all to see. And here these women are worshiping him. Romans 1 verse 4 says that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus is divine and this should make us worshipers. What I don't want to see happen this morning is for some of you to say, I'm with you. I mentally agree that the resurrection happened. He, was, he lived, he died, came, I, I agree with that. That's not what the Bible is looking for The Bible is not looking for men and women to just mentally agree that the facts are the facts and what happened happened because chances are most of you probably believe that the resurrection really happened. But I'm wondering if there are some here who think, it's great, he did that, it happened. But if you truly believed it as a heart belief, you would worship him. And I'm not just talking about singing and falling down. I'm talking about worshiping him as Lord, which means following him. If you truly believe, not just mentally, but also in your heart, you will follow Jesus as Lord, not perfectly. We're not just trying to create a bunch of intellectual people who sent to the facts of the resurrection. We're looking for people who not only believe it intellectually, but their hearts are transformed, and they submit to Jesus who is God and has full authority over your life. All right, so what does the resurrection prove? Well, it proves that his claims are legit, death has been defeated, Satan has been conquered, the cross worked, Jesus is divine and must be worshiped. Let's just put it all together. Let's just take these things together and, and connect it to you. And this, this is really cool. Connect it to you. Don't miss this part. This is, this is for you. Here we go. The resurrection of Jesus proves that those who have faith in Christ are indestructible. The resurrection of Jesus proves that those who have faith in Christ are indestructible. Satan has no power over you. You do not serve him anymore. Death is not the end. If you're walking around in shame, stop it. You're forgiven. Don't walk around in shame. You are forgiven. The cross worked. And you will live with God forever. Through faith in Christ, you are indestructible. Like, really, really, what's the worst thing that can happen to you? What's the worst thing? There is nothing that will ever separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. You are indestructible in Christ Jesus. This fall, in September, I flew up to um, Minneapolis. And I met with a group of leaders and pastors, about 12 of us. And the leader of our group was this guy named Jeff. Great guy, godly man. Got to hang out with him at our our sessions, got to go to meals with him. And on the last night, he sat to my left, and he was just leading us. And he's a great man, praying for us and encouraging us. That was September. September. Fast forward four to five months later, got word that uh, there was a tragedy that Jeff had been killed in a house fire. Follower of Christ, in Christ. And you may think, well, he didn't look that indestructible, he got killed. But see, this is is what we mean. He passed through it. Got it? He passed through it. Because he's in Christ. And what we're saying that even though we die, and we will all die, likely we're going to die unless Christ comes back and takes us before then, we're going to die. And yet we are still indestructible in Christ because we'll pass through the death. Because the one who was raised, we are in him. We're not left on our own, and what we're trying to shout this morning and proclaim this morning is that this good news is for everyone. I want you to know that Jesus is so inclusive that he says this gospel can go out to everyone because everyone is a sinner. And no one can get to the Father on their own good works, nothing. So the gospel goes out, and anyone who wants to turn from their sins, no matter how wicked you are, can turn and put your faith in Jesus Christ. I was 19 when I became a Christian. When I was uh, growing up in high school, a little bit of college, I was a wicked man, I would steal, I would treat women badly, I was filled with sexual immorality constantly, my mouth was filthy. And God intervened, convicted me of my sins, brought me to repentance and faith in Jesus, and I wasn't going to go, God, yeah, I'm, I'm doing some good things, Some no, wickedness and through repentance and faith in Christ, forgiven. And somehow, in God's grace, now I'm telling you about the good news of Jesus, that Jesus really does forgive people and really does offer grace and mercy. And he doesn't forgive good people because there are no good people. And if you are here this morning and you maybe had an intellectual knowledge of Jesus, maybe you've been religious, but you're not following him, today's this morning, this, it's, it's now where you can say, you know what? I'm going to turn away from my sin and I'm going to follow Jesus because I want to follow the guy who died and came back, who forgives me, who conquers Satan in my place, who will conquer death in the future for me. I want to follow him because that's the one that loves me. And the open invitation is to everyone in here to turn from your sin and put your faith in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, you are good. We cannot believe. You sent Jesus to die and to rise for us. And I don't just want to pray for uh, those who maybe have not trusted you yet. I ask that they would trust you. I also want to pray for believers in here who have just been slackers, backsliding into stuff they shouldn't be into, thinking that the resurrected Christ doesn't care, doesn't see, doesn't matter. May you bring them back to you this morning and show them there is grace and much mercy. Lord, I thank you that we stand on the solid foundation of your gospel, of your life, death, and resurrection to bring us to you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.